0: Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 60. Good night, 60 episodes now. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the concealedcarry.com network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast takes topics relevant to today's gun owners, and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and law enforcement officers to give you both angles of discussion. Today, I am honored. To uh, have our guest, fifth generation native Texan and luminary, Wayne Dobbs. It's been a while. We're going to talk about situational awareness and what cops know about situational awareness. But first, title sponsor of the podcast, XS Sites at XSSites.com. The best sites made in Texas, down there, uh, not
1: far from Wayne.
0: Also, new sponsor to the podcast, Elite Survival Systems. Nylon products for your EDC needs since 1979. Don't just survive, thrive at elitesurvival.com. Go check out their Guardian and Stealth SBR backpacks. CCW Safe. Get 10% off your membership at checkout with code OffDuty10. And of course, always EDC Belt Co. At edcbeltcode.com. Makers of the foundation belt, the most comfortable, functional concealed carry belt on the market. Also, reminder to sign up for the Concealed Carry Podcast Giveaway. Concealed Carry Podcast Giveaway. You got to sign up weekly. Last week's winner was Karen. Karen won $50, uh, a $50 SSP eyewear gift card this week. They're giving away one of my favorite products from ready up gear, uh, a two pack of one, six, three, four, zero USB rechargeable batteries. Uh, Those things are killer. And they made up with the uh, MCF spark flashlight, which has become a part of my uh, everyday carry gear Go check them out. Uh, The concealed carry podcast giveaway link is in the show notes. Got to sign up weekly to be eligible for that. They give away some cool gear every single week. Let's uh, bring in our guest. Well, welcome back Wayne Dobbs for episode 60. Uh, It's been a few months. Yes. So the topic of today is uh, we're just going to call it like two cops talk situational awareness and You sent me quite the, uh, the organized document of thoughts. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what inspired you to put that together and put it on paper?
1: You know, that, that document represents quite a few years of collecting things, uh, because, you know, we we like to to delve into hardware in in our realm and in our network of, of people. We like to talk about guns and ammo and holsters and whatever timers, rifles. Uh, we get we get focused a lot on on hard goods, uh, and uh, whether we want to admit it or not, there is a there's a deep theme that runs through a bunch of this crowd that if we buy the latest greatest or the the arcane or the unusual or whatever it might be. If we go out and buy this piece of kit, but somehow some way that will see us through when the bad day comes. And uh, I being an old guy and looking at things and paying attention, I thought I I really made some people angry, uh, I think, or, or stepped on their puppies pretty hard when I said, you know, that ammo you're worried about, I've, I've got one guy that's always emailing me. What about this load versus that load? And I said, I finally told him. I said, "Ammo is probably less than five percent of the equation of success." I said, uh, "Yes, it, it may make a little bit of difference once in a while, but most of the time, you miss anyway, or most people miss, so it doesn't matter what kind of ammo you got." So, what what does matter is, uh, are you in a in a position? Are you in a, an attitude to where you see trouble coming? Uh, because if you can see trouble coming, uh, you can avoid it. Uh, you can leave uh, or you can, if you have to deal with it, you can deal with it much more effectively than if you get it uh, put on you by surprise. So that's what I did is that's, that's a lot of training. That's an awful lot of experience. That's a lot of reading that I distilled into those thoughts and those various points of information.
0: Yeah. And I I like your definition. Situational awareness is the concept of paying attention to surroundings, people, actions, conditions, Intense, the weather, traffic, etc. So that an individual is very rarely surprised by a suddenly deteriorating set of conditions. That's that's a whole lot of information packaged into one sentence. Um, It is. And the next bullet was, it doesn't mean we're never surprised, but the intent is to rarely be caught unaware. And. I know, probably we could we could probably both recall dozens upon dozens of situations where we've interviewed victims that knew something was wrong and didn't do anything mm-hmm. about it. So let's talk Absolutely about that a little bit.
1: Uh, Daryl uh, says it, and I've, I've said it too, and, and that is the standard response or the standard answer you get from a victim like that is he came out of nowhere, uh, and. And you always sit there and look back and say, no, he didn't. He was there and you should have seen him, but he didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, so it, it boils down to paying attention to events and conditions and people around you so that if something starts happening, you, uh, you have a little bit of time. And, and what I mean, a little bit of time, we may be talking about just buying a second or two. Uh, certainly. You're you're probably not going to buy much more than that. But if you have a second or two, uh, you'll you'll probably do much better. It's like uh, I was going up US 75 in, in Allen where I lived the other day last Saturday, and going I was in the third lane of four lanes, and the fourth lane was was nearly stopped for a backed up on an off ramp, and so I was going along, and I started I thought I need to I need to slow down, and I need to fade over to the left side of this lane because you know, somebody's liable, liable to pull out here, you know, getting sick and tired of waiting. And I swear to be damned right behind me. I mean, right. As I passed him, a guy swerved into the lane I was in from the stop lane and triggered about a six vehicle chain reaction, major accident. And I was watching it happen in the mirror. And I was thinking, I missed that by less than a second. Yeah. Just by thinking I need to do something. And, and, it's it's hard to get across to some people, and some people will look at you like you—they think you're crazy. But every once in a while, you before you have something hard to put in play, you have a feeling that something's going wrong, or it's about to go wrong. You just have a gut feeling that that conditions are ripe for a mess, and and that was one of them. In fact, there's a book out there; it's a classic book. Uh, it's called The Gift of Fear. Gavin De Becker, yeah. Gavin De Becker. And it's talking about that, that little prickly six cents hair standing on end kind of feeling that you have that most people won't pay attention to. And it's the same thing as you have, you have an innate sense for things going wrong, just as a a consequence of being a human creature that has existed for thousands of years as a species.
0: Yeah. uh, Traffic is one of those places that, uh, you know, for example, like you were talking about the, the wreck, Uh, you know, when I'm in stop and go traffic, I always leave, you know, a car length or two between me and the car in front of me and, and everybody else, it seems to be like a race to see who can put their bumper closest to the next. Exactly. My stepson asked me, he's like, why don't you pull up a little bit? And I said, well, in case something happens, I want to have an escape route here. And I had, you know, I had like the median Mm -hmm. to the right and, uh, a place where I could work through the cars if I needed to with, you know, jump a curb right. and get out of the way. And it was at that moment, he sees somebody walking through the, uh, through the lanes of traffic, knocking on people's windows and all this. And I said, mm-hmm. there it is right there. there I want to buy myself some time to where I'm not stuck. And, uh, he kind of, it, it was a really good teaching moment. You know, he saw that happen right as he said it the whole reasoning behind it. So uh, I also, uh, I I looked at uh, your list here and it said professionals with situational awareness are often law enforcement officers, operational military personnel, pilots, scuba divers, professional drivers, executive protection, and moms. That one really (laughs) caught my attention. And uh, I've been, Three of those. Uh, I've never been a pilot, but I've been a scuba diver and that's one of that you've got to be kind of on your on your toes all the time. You um it's one of the few, you know, hobby sports that you have a probability of, of death if you don't pay attention. So absolutely. Um uh, but the moms part really intrigued me.
1: Yeah. Moms and now no, not with regard to everything, but with regard to their kids' safety as a general
0: rule.
1: Um uh, they, they will ping and I'm talking I'm not talking about moms that aren't good moms. I'm talking about your, your basic issue solid mother. They, they have an awareness of what's going on around their kids. Uh, and if you don't believe that, you know find find a kid out of the playground and, and kind of walk up and talk to him with the mom's around and see what happens because she will be on the scene in a hurry uh, checking on on what's going on. Uh yeah. So moms with regard to their kids, not with necessarily with regard to other stuff because a lot of times the kids create the distractions that uh keep you from being aware of other things, but with regard to their children's safety, you'll see that with moms. Uh, and they'll they'll it'll be things like, you know, little Johnny's been quiet for too long. What's he up to? Or where are the kids or why are why isn't this going on right now like it's supposed to be going on? They they they, they they have a, a good radar i would say is a good way to put
0: it yeah my uh <laughs> my girlfriend she has two one that one that's 11 one that's 14 and oh. when when we're at the house it is if everything is silent something is afoot and she right. keys in on that with a quickness um it's like oh uh, they're not making noise something's either somebody's being devious or there's there's something else afoot you know, no TV, sure. no, no radio, no, no nothing. I've got to go check what's going on with that. And that'll pass me by in the, you know, the blink of an eye. I go, well, well it's just quiet. That's nice. I like silence. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the other, uh, situational awareness, it's off often not politically correct because they're often making non-politically correct judgments that other would say are biases. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I kind of look at that as you're just spotting something that violates your social norms. Um, that was what came to anomalies. mind. Anomalies, yeah. You're, you're
1: looking for an anomaly. Uh, in other words, you have a context uh, in a neighborhood, in a in a business, in a, a school, in a church, wherever, in a bank, whatever it might be. You, there is a context or a context of of who is there and what are they doing and how are they acting and what do they look like. And so what a lot of these are is saying "Hmm, that doesn't match up with what is the norm here. And there was a, there's a book out there. I I didn't find it to be a great read for me because I was like, okay, I already knew all this. I saw this. I saw this. It's called left of bang. Uh, And it's written by a a Marine officer uh, who intended it to be, I think uh, taught to, uh, young young Marines and young soldiers, et cetera, that were especially on patrols in, in bad areas, specifically in Iraq, and teaching them how to look for things that aren't right for an area that may uh, that may warn of an attack, especially a bombing. So, and and they were talking about things were on a timeline, and the bang, the attack was in the at the you know bad part of the timeline, and what happened after the bang was to the right of the bang. And so he was talking about left of bang, meaning get ahead of the event and and diagnose the situation, look for anomalies, look for warning signs, look for threat indicators.
0: Yeah, I can I can think of, you know, being in law enforcement, you can always think of, uh, you know, hundreds of these scenarios. And I'll just give a quick example. One for me that keys me up like no other is, you know, seeing somebody in a hooded sweatshirt with the hood pulled up when it's in excess of about 90 degrees outside that just yeah. keys my senses up to, you know, now granted, uh, I was dining at a place that was, uh, kind of local to one of the high schools and a couple of these young men walked in with hoods on and all this. And I look and they have wrestling team on the back so yeah. they're walking in to get a glass of water when they're trying to shed weight. So it didn't, yeah. but still the initial, the initial thing in my mind was why are there, you know, 17 to 19 year old young males that are wearing full sweatsuits and it's a hundred degrees outside. This is there. That's not right. And, uh, you know, simply the logo on their shirt made me realize, okay, I can maybe drop my defenses a little bit They're 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 obviously not up to something sinister. They're just trying to make weight for their next match. And uh, I took pity on them for that. But, uh, but there again, a lot of times, go ahead. A lot of
1: times it'll be accompanied by conduct anomalies too. Um, I I remember one of my first, like my first really good catch as a young cop is I caught a rapist. uh, One night uh, watched him. I was, driving down the backside of a strip center, checking, you know, make sure all the doors are locked up and everything is okay. Nobody huddling around back there. And I broke the end of the, came out the end of the building uh, and was looking across the street at an ice cream place, uh, Baskin Robbins. And there was a guy that was huddled down. He was hunkered down in some shrubs between this ice cream place and apartment. And I, I thought, wow, that looks odd. So I turned off the lights back the car up, and got out and started watching around a corner because it's not normal people to hunker down in shrub trouble lines. Uh, so I thought that was curious. So right off the bat, he's, he's given me an anomaly as far as his character. And I watched him and he was doing 360 degree visual sweeps while he was down there. I thought that's unusual too, because two kinds of folks do 360 visual sweeps all the time, cops and bad guys. He wasn't a cop. Uh, then a car pulls in and uh, an 18 year old girl gets out. And goes into the Baskin-Robbins and he keys on her. I mean, he he visually snagged on her really hard. And as soon as he got through looking at her real hard and watching her go in, he started really looking around hard, 360 degrees. I thought, that's odd too. And he comes out of the shrubs, and gets down behind her car and reaches into his pocket and gets a uh, piece of pantyhose and pulls it over his head and gets a knife out, uh, a big old butcher knife, and crawls in the back floorboard of her car. And And so you watched all of this. I watched all of this. That's impressive. 22 year old rookie cop. (laughs) And I, I ended up having to take him by myself because there was no, uh, there was no backup units, but that was one of those things of, I saw unusual conduct in a scene. Didn't match up with the context of the scene. I saw him do something unusual with, with regard to the young woman when she went in that he, he clearly visually targeted her and focused on her, and uh, and then you saw him come out in the open. And when he came out in the open, uh, there's a little bit more light on him then, and I recognized him. He'd been paroled six weeks before for an aggravated rape, and and so at this point, I, I started calling out his. I put his name on the air and said exactly who it was, and uh, watched him, you know, commit. Watched him surveil and commit his crime, uh, all from from beginning to end. It was, uh, it was very motivating at that point. You couldn't have blown me off that job with all the dynamite you could
0: have come up with. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's impressive. Um, you know, I'd be hard pressed to find a rookie today that wouldn't think, well, there's some homeless guy sleeping in the bushes, you know, but, uh, (laughs) but that brings up kind of my next thing is you talk about situational awareness professionals and as, Law enforcement officers, you know, we have the, I guess, the luxury of being immersed in that quite a bit where you're constantly watching patterns of behavior and looking for things that don't look right. But how do you define what doesn't look right?
1: That, mm.
0: that's, that's been one of my, uh, you know, teaching goals is, well, how do you define what doesn't look right? So,
1: uh you know, that's, that's hard to do. Uh, it's not something you can exactly put down on paper and say, if A happens, then B happens, then this means C. Uh, because a lot of this, you know, a lot of this stuff may be non-threatening, non-violent, non-illegal, like the, the homeless person, you know, sleeping in the shrubs. Uh, and and I'd have to say that my context for that time was there were no homeless people in that area. So it couldn't have been a homeless person. Uh, it was it was a crook, uh, a bad one too, and so a lot of it is is it's kind of like fishing. Have you, if you fished a lot, uh, you, can you say is that a bite or is that not, or is that just did the lure just bump against a, a you know the bottom, or was that a bite? Uh, and and you learn there's there's various patterns of behavior that say hey that's a fish, and some patterns of behavior say that's highly unlikely to be a fish. But with regard to dealing with people as police officers, it's kind of incumbent on us to investigate it if we can at all. In other words, you get unusual behavior and out, it doesn't match the context. You know, community caretaking contact at the least. Say, hey, ma'am, how you doing? What's going on? Heading somewhere? Uh, you don't, and, and you may get the justification to escalate the contact to s- some kind of detention. Uh, and and in reality, that's why. You know, most cops aren't good cops until they've done it for several years. Uh, And you'll find specialized ones. Uh, I had a guy I worked with that was just amazing at catching burglars. He could catch burglars like nobody's business. Uh, I worked with another guy that was amazing at finding people in stolen cars. Uh, You know, you you found people that had, they had uh, radar, I guess, for certain kinds of contact or conduct. So,
0: Yeah. I'll throw a shout out to my old boss, Kenny Rickenbroad, one of my first supervisors on the department. I used to joke that he could smell a stolen car. Uh, <laughs> we we could be sitting car to car in a parking lot and he'd go, Oh, you see that Buick that was stolen two weeks ago. Go check it. And, and, and you know, for no other yeah, reason than, yeah. you know, he had a, he had a great memory for tags, et cetera. But, but yeah. a, as a, Say an armed citizen, you know. I think that probably the best person that distilled that concept of uh, was probably Colonel Cooper at Gunsight mm-hmm. with uh, the the color coded awareness or Cooper's right. color code system, which has been uh, man, it's been drugged through the mud in so many different directions. I think I counted up oh, to like four, fourteen colors, fifteen maybe. Uh,
1: it's been stepped on and, and mutilated and, and distorted. And the, the biggest thing I think that's been done to it is people interpreted it as uh, as saying, it, it tells me what kind of danger I'm in. No, it tells you what kind of level of awareness you have and how prepared you may be to deal with some kind of dangerous situation. And, and Cooper, you know, Cooper simply codified what all he put out. He, he was an observer of the human condition. He was a, a sociologist and a history uh, major and, and was uh, he, he observed human conduct a lot and, and was able to 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 very articulately write and or speak about what he wanted to and publish that. And that's uh, he would probably get lost in all the noise on the Internet today. <laughs> uh, he would probably be, you know, somebody that never that never pinged the radar but what he did with regard to the color code and also his principles of personal defense uh, stand out as, as things that are extremely valuable from his legacy.
0: Yeah, I, 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 agree with that. And I I've heard it taught so many different ways in so many different formats. And uh, the bottom line is it, it, it was just kind of a way to, simplify your like you said your your level of awareness for different things and and uh Mm -hmm. how to kind of have a a system in place for when something pings your radar i guess you yes so and which is uh brings me to the next point sometimes victims aka volunteers because they did see things deteriorating but didn't act which kind of goes back to Mm -hmm. what we were talking about before and uh i'll hearken the first time i heard this was uh, you know, in all the hubbub of like the subsecond draw stuff, and you know, getting into the, the <laughs> mechanics of of application of of uses of force uh, and that skill set, uh, Dave Spalding, and I'm not sure that he's the first one that said it, but he said, you know, gunfights are won by seconds, not tens of seconds, uh, which which put it in perspective of you should probably see it coming long before it happens, and that's. Oh, yeah. Long before is measured in seconds, not tenths of seconds. So, um, yeah, let's see. The lack of action is often brought about because uh, political correctness concerns that we've been uh, influenced into con- accepting neg- negative influence freezes our action to protect ourselves. And that's something I'm seeing that is infecting the law enforcement world. Uh, oh, Lord to a degree that uh, I don't know that it's unrecoverable at this point, but it's definitely um, harder to get people to engage. Um,
1: That's, that's apparent in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, One of it, and and this is really uh, a way that's out there for everybody to see right now. And maybe it's not this way everywhere, but it's, this way everywhere I've been recently for the past year or so. And that is look at the amount of outrageously reckless and dangerous and aggressive driving conduct you see out on the highways now. And the reason people do that is because people can do that. Now Mm -hmm. Uh, there's very little enforcement going on out there to deal with that. Uh, We, you know, back before, all of a sudden, the police were the bad guys again. Uh, you dealt with that kind of thing. You didn't. You didn't tolerate that kind of behavior, and and some places still don't. I know, but what I see is that there's this there's this climate of I don't want to be the one that ends up having to use force on somebody or that gets into a mess that gets notoriety because I might get thrown under the bus. And it's 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 not just one thing causing it. It's it's the fact that you've gotten into a vicious cycle of not doing very much with these things that need to be dealt with. So those things that need to be dealt with keep on going on, because if you do deal with one and it goes sour, then you've got the belief or the fear that your organization is going to throw you under the bus. And so what we have is a swirling mess. Uh, Same thing going on with street crime. Uh, There's not a lot of interdiction of street crime going on these days in many, many places. And therefore street crime is going up. Uh, and violent crime is soaring.
0: Yeah. One thing uh, to kind of contextualize that to a degree is I see a lot of people that have a lot of fear on the front side. What I call the front side is I see something that doesn't look right. How do I engage it and not offend someone's conscience? And uh, one of the things I see that's kind of a gap in in training in general, and I mean training for law enforcement Um, I don't see it as much surprisingly people that go to, uh, like civilian based classes, such as like Chuck Haggard's muck or something, something to Mm -hmm. that effect is just being able to engage with people in conversation, the whole verbal judo concept or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it. And, uh, that not being taught widespread to law enforcement that, you know, it's okay to walk up and talk to people and say hello, which can be somewhat disarming, um, And use that engagement to decipher whether something is afoot or not and, uh, and do it in a manner that's not, you know, not aggressive, not in your face, not um, I've given the example before that, uh, you know, I pulled a car over one night because the guy's keys were in his gas cap. You remember the old locked gas caps Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm not going to drive up next to the guy and wave and point and look, you know, I've got lights for a reason and I turn them on and, and, uh, picked his keys out of the deal. And, and immediately the conversation went, well, what did I do? What are you pulling me over for? And I'm like, well, here, here's your keys back. Everything. Okay. Well, I mean, who's to say that there wasn't some other crime afoot, but the bottom line was it was just me doing a friendly gesture. Um, but things like that, if something doesn't look right engaging with it and how to engage with it in a manner that doesn't offend someone's conscience or, or seem accusatory. Um, and that's where I think you're like, you were talking about your law enforcement officers after it takes them five, six years to really get good at that. And, yeah. um, and one of the other trends I see is about the time they start getting good at that. They, they move them to some assignment that doesn't involve that anymore. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's, they, they start trying to promote or go to specialized units or want
1: their weekends off or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a problem. Uh, it's it's a big problem. It's not getting any better. In fact, uh, I, I think uh, I think in the next very very few months we might see it get really horrible. Potentially, uh, and it's it's tied to another social uh, another social situation, and that is uh, vaccine mandate. Uh, uh, I think LA sheriff's is looking at losing a third of their patrol force right now. Uh, you can't you you can't
0: run a show. Uh, when you go down thirty-five or forty percent, right? And and I, I've seen uh, an abundance when we talk on the law enforcement side. I've seen an abundance of officers that uh, you know maybe hadn't pl- had plans for retirement within you know the next five years that have accelerated that uh, just right. based on hey I'm tired I need to do something else and right large yeah, percentage of- tired of it. Yeah. Large percentages of forces doing that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the general public doesn't understand it's about an 18 month process to get a cop trained up to where they can just function. And that's not even function really well. That's just, yeah, you know, that's a brand new cop in a, in a school, squ- in a squad by himself somewhere.
1: Uh, and, and it's hard to get that across to people is that they say, you know, you're down 50 people. Okay. Well, first of all, hiring fifty people is very difficult these days. You probably need uh, seven or eight hundred applicants to hire fifty. Uh, if you're doing the 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 winnowing out correctly, and if you walk them in the door today, uh, it like you say, it's twelve to eighteen months before they can be in a radio car by themselves.
0: Yeah, uh, and then probably so another long ways. Yeah, yeah probably another th- the time. Right. And probably another three to five years before they're proficient at it. Um, that was a hard learning curve. Um, and that's, that's a big area of attrition too. So, um, that, that first five years is, I mean, that's, that's your lawsuit prone, injury prone, just trying to figure it out time. And, uh, yeah. I had somebody ask me, they're like, ah, you know, you stayed in patrol for 14 years. Why? And I said, well, I wasn't good at it until about 10, about 10 is where I thought I've seen it all. I've done it all. And I know how to file the paperwork moving on. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that you're learning that you don't realize you're learning. It's yeah. You
1: it later on. It's, 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 hard to describe, but, uh, you're, you're teaching, uh, or you should be achieving a street sense. Uh, you should, you're, you're learning about so many things uh, that uh, you don't learn in school. I remember one time teaching a citizens police academy class and there was an ER doc in there. And uh, I said something about, you know, it being really tough to be an ER doc, to have to deal with so many different things and remember what to do. And he says, Oh no. He says, he says, that stuff's predictable. He says, what you guys do is really tough. He says, because he he said, I I know what I'm going to see. He says, I know what it's going to be. I know what he said. It's very rare that you get caught by surprise on something in an ER. He said, but you guys get caught by surprise on stuff all the time. So never thought of it that way.
0: Yeah. Looping back, uh, to the civilian or the armed citizenry or, you know, just Mm -hmm. someone who, uh, wants to have a, a, a sense of awareness, I love this one, a destructive position that many adopt is the position that if I sit here and hope and wait for a while, things will be okay. Uh, and one of the examples was uh, Hurricane Katrina and Sandy and how many folks were trapped and killed because they wouldn't evacuate. Um, right. That's uh, that's something that's pretty near and dear to me because here in uh, Oklahoma, we get the uh, fingers of disgrace that fall out of the sky sure. periodically and uh on occasion back 10 15 years ago it wasn't uncommon to see people ignore warnings or not necessarily ignore them but go well i'll be all right uh, mm-hmm. and then a really bad one happens and then for the a, next few a more years,
1: oklahoma one or something like that yeah. yes
0: um that happens and it's not long before you see you know, I 35 turned into a speedway going South or North, uh, because yeah. people learned, Hey, uh, this is serious. Um, and I I've worked enough of those to see that, you know, if, if you are caught in that, it could be a long time before someone gets to you. Um, that and the fact that you are,
1: I mean, when mother nature tees off on us, uh, there's not an adequate defensive pistol load or tactic or anything like that. I mean, if you're exposed to it, you just get hammered. And like you say, uh, if you don't get killed in the uh, in the actual event, uh, you may get killed uh, literally from starvation or dehydration if you're trapped in something yeah. uh, or illness. I mean, there's, there, there's a lot of considerations that the weather can bring to you that uh, people don't pay enough attention to and and so sitting and hoping it'll be okay or it'll pass us over probably is a probably isn't a good move uh, you've got to be uh, if you can avoid it avoid it if, if you're gonna have to stay for it you need to be in some kind of situation that gives you the best chances of, of uh, surviving and, and and being able to carry on after the event
0: yeah I I've, I've said this example on the podcast before you know, in 2013, we had a really bad one. It was on par with uh, May 3rd of 99, and it was, I can't remember if it was May 8th or May 20th, but it was, it was a nasty one, and, and I was, happened to be blessed with working a scout car that day. And uh, I, one of the first people I ran into had a very severely fractured arm and came to me for help. And I, I remember looking at this person and going, you're going to be hurt for a while medical can't Mm -hmm. get in here. I can't put you in my car and evacuate you. You're going to have to start walking in that direction because that's as far as the medical can get. And, uh, I I don't luckily this individual, he was kind of prepared for that. I said, you know, okay, you got your arm in a sling, good move, start walking that way. And, you know, try not to step on anything too bad. Right. Uh, because we were digging people out of shelters and everything else. And, uh, you know that that mental preparedness. Fortunately, that individual had it and said, okay, "You know, okay." There wasn't a level of panic. It was just, "This is what I've got to do to rescue myself," and uh, working those types of, of of events. You know, even as a first responder, law enforcement officer, whatever it is when you have to go through the checklist of, do I have the ability to help this person? And if not, do I have the ability to send somewhere, send them where they can get help and looking at certain people that are like, well, you're the police. You're here to help us. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not high on the priority list right now. And, exactly, uh, you know, so that's, uh, that's a tough one. And, and that one, uh, that one hit pretty close to home, but there's, uh, There's a lot of that, that it wasn't maybe three days later, we got a similar Mm -hmm. warning and all the conditions and I 35 went, it it turned into the, you know, like the Texas motor speedway. People were getting out of Dodge and, uh, exactly. Yeah. So I dig that, uh, that bullet point you sent me. Well, um, what else have you got for us, Wayne? I'm kind of, that was the meat of it. Oh, I remember what I wanted to talk about. You talked about the 21 foot, 360 degree concept. And I don't know if that, can we attribute that one to Wayne Dobbs?
1: No, uh, I, I believe that's Dave's. Dave I, Sp- I believe that's and uh, I think it's Spaulding's. Okay. Um, and you know, I've collected and thought about a lot of different ways to, to manage your awareness or your, your focus or your visualization. Uh, of of circumstances and the color codes one of them obviously Jeff Cooper's color code okay. but that's that's kind of what are you prepared to do uh, other ways how do you how do you look at stuff how do you pay attention and this twenty one three sixty is is not suitable for every place it's suitable for close quarters it's suitable for you know crowds or inside businesses things like that and what you're doing is you're you're working a twenty one foot radius. So in other words, in other words, 21, seven yards from you, wherever you may be completely around you, being having that bubble uh, in your awareness of who's in it, what are they doing? What is anything going wrong? uh, Is this normal? Uh, And you can see examples of that. Uh, The best one I can come up with is the, uh, the shooting in the church in Fort Worth a couple of years ago, where the, the, the 70 something security, uh, manager pops that guy in the head at about 15 yards. Jack Wilson. He'd kill two people. Jack yeah. Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that is a, a place where 21-360 is particularly applicable because that guy was pinging some people's radars. And, in fact, they placed somebody behind him to watch him, and and he acted much quicker than I think they anticipated he would. And that's, that's one of the things about people attacking is uh, you, you have – you see all these signs. You see these warning signs. You see these conditions that say this guy's a problem. But what is shocking, even after you're paying attention, is once they go, how fast that goes. In other words, once once you once the the situation deteriorates to the point of an assault, it is astonishing, even when you're paying attention, how fast that assault takes place. And that that was certainly a, an example of it because. In three seconds, that guy killed two people with that shotgun uh, that was under a coat, and, and so you're like, "Wow, that happened in a hurry." And uh, the, then the, the security guard got it. So, twenty-one three sixty is applicable for for occupied areas. It's it's not any good. Like if you're on patrol, you know, in a in a open area, you clearly twenty-one feet is not far enough to be looking. You you, you start thinking in terms of hundreds of yards at times to uh, take care of that. Uh, Other things about scanning your environment is is there's times and places that are critical in scanning an environment that people may not pay attention to. And that's what I'm talking about is going into transitions. Uh, The classic one is going from a light to a dark transition. Uh, Give you a good example, going out of an office building into a dark parking garage going out of a lit grocery store into a dark parking lot or a not completely well lit parking lot. Uh, anything where you're going from dark or from light to dark, you're at a disadvantage because, uh, and if you don't understand that, go stand outside a grocery store or 7-Eleven or something at night that's well lit inside and you can watch what all the people inside are doing, but they can't watch you very well. Uh, so people that may be out in the dark land and wait are going to be able to see you uh, much better than you can see them. So that's why when you do a transition uh, be like a cat, you let your cat out of the house they, the cat doesn't just run out of the house and take off you'll see the cat step out and pause and look around before he moves through his environment because he's looking to see if there's a problem or if there's something he wants to kill and, and I, I, we have a cat that's just like that uh, our cat is, is, uh, is a working cat he has a working cat name his, his name is Sicario and, uh, which means hitman or assassin and he's earned it quite well And I like watching Sicario because he's always paying attention to his environment. He's always looking for problems or targets. Uh, So when you hit those transitions, uh, that's a good time to uh, stop and pay attention. And here's what people do that's stupid. and that's, That's a hard word, but they will step into an area and see a potential problem. And they will sit there and remain in that area or go towards that problem because they're saying, well, that guy looks really shaky. He looks like a bad guy or that gang of folks looks really sorry. Uh, but I've got to get to my car. So they will sit there and, and stay in the environment and, and make themselves a target or make themselves a possible attack point. Uh, and And that's not good. Uh, they'll see somebody leaning against their car. Uh, somebody hanging around their car and they're like, well, that's my car. So I get to go to it uh, and maybe end up in a mess. Uh, so, Scanning is, is important. Uh, one other one that I learned this, teaching protective details and being in protective detail training, uh, is something we learned about that is, is a, a layered approach to protection. Uh, not just guns, not just lights, not just pepper spray, not just awareness, but all of that at one time. And realizing that you have to pay attention to what your angles of approach are, Be able to deny an approach if you need to. Uh, You need to be able to be looking and not just not just looking, but seeing. Uh, You need to know uh, what you won't give up. Where where is your line in the sand? What will you not give up? And it's pretty easy. I mean, you won't you won't give up your family. You won't give up your kids. You won't. But you may say, "Hey, I'm not going to give them up, but I'll give up this car." Okay, I'll give up that patch of ground if I can save the people that I'm responsible for taking care of. And then part of the scanning is knowing how what a target indicator looks like or a threat indicator looks like, and it's it's real simple. You know it from service: it's shape, shine, sound, color, contrast, and movement. Uh, and you are looking for that kind of thing to that tells you that you have something there that's an anomaly or a threat.
0: Yeah, I've I've got a real simple thing that I do, especially traveling at night. You know, I live. I live in the most like urban area of Oklahoma city, right in the middle of downtown. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly in and out of parking garages, parking lots, you know, a lighted restaurant to, you know, walk in two blocks, dark sidewalk. Uh, I carry a, either a ProTac or a, uh, you know, an MCF spark, like 500 lumen handheld flashlight. And, uh, I've done this for years. If I'm walking somewhere, I I hit it with the beam and it's just an indicator that, Hey, I'm moving through this area and even, and it's something that's not really offensive to, um, you know, Joe citizen that's doing the Mm -hmm. same thing. I am. He's Whoa. Hey, that guy's got a really bright light, but Mm -hmm. for the criminal, you know, who carries a flashlight cops do cops. Cops, people that are carrying guns are, to go with them and,
1: and people that are carrying guns because if you see uh you know you'll see a lot of people walking around with a clip knife to their their pocket but if i see somebody wearing a knife clipped to their pocket and a flashlight clipped on the other side i'm like okay that guy has a gun somewhere see or not he's got a gun there's a gun and and so if you have a powerful flashlight to a bad guy you probably have a gun too and that usually means they are not going to try you on not always, but usually.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I've used that walking, used that last night walking with my, my stepson. We went to the local Bass Pro. We took the city, the inner city streetcar, uh, which is actually really nice down here in Oklahoma City. Uh-huh. So, uh, we took it, rode it from my, uh, my condo complex over to the Bass Pro and got off and, you know, looked at all the cool stuff and then got back on it and rode it back over. And we got to walk by the, uh, the library and the, courthouse and all that to get back to where I live. Right. And, and, uh, there is a congregating area of people that are other than homed, uh, to be mm-hmm. sensitive to their plight. And I had one start walking and, and I, I hit him with the 500 beam lumen and said, Hey, is everything all right? And he immediately turned or, uh, it changed course, you know, And stepson looks at me and he goes, what was that all about? And I said, he was going to hit us up for money or something. He was probably pretty innocuous, but it changed his behavior really quickly. And I would much rather just shine a bright light at somebody than have to go hands-on with somebody whose biohazard history. I don't know. Or yeah. uh, Yeah. And ultimately he said, Hey, do you know where a restaurant is? And I was like, yeah, it's right over there. And I pointed with the flashlight and off we go. Uh, but that's probably one of the most valuable tools I've had, uh, down here to date and, uh, transitional areas. That is, uh, that's where attacks happen. That's just where they happen. Um, you know, I I think there's probably a thousand to one that somebody is going to engage you in a transitional area versus kick the door into your house. So,
1: yeah, it's, it's a choke point. Any place that your mobility or your visibility Preferably both at the same time as compromised. uh, That's that's a good spot. Uh, If you can if you can put somebody, you know, uh, in a in a tight spot physically, then that's a good spot. There's something else I want to talk about on this, and that is and it's I I hate to say it, but it's coming up on a good time of the year for it to. You and I both know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, And that is coming up on Thanksgiving, and uh, especially Thanksgiving seems to be a good time for a big mass family shooting somewhere. Uh, there's almost always some kind of good, good assaults and, and violence around Thanksgiving gatherings. Uh, bunches of people, in fact, probably most of us at some level in our extended family have somebody that we know is a troublemaker. Uh, they're assaultive, they're, they're a substance abuser. They've got a bunch of bad people hanging around them, whatever. Uh, if, if you got people like that, even if they're family, even if they're friends, uh, Certainly, if, if you're becoming socially associated with them, those kind of people are going to bring you trouble. Uh, and if they don't bring you trouble, then their friends will bring you trouble. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to get across to people that if someone's an abuser, if someone's uh, a bad actor, you, you really need to avoid that. Avoidance, avoidance is the best measure on all of this. Don't attend the event. Uh, that can get you killed or hurt, or, or or cause you to have to hurt or kill somebody. So, you, you've got a, a bunch of people that will have those kind of circumstances existing in their network of friends or family, uh, and and associating with those people is only going to be trouble. Uh, you know, you and I have seen it over and over and over. Uh, I saw it back in the battle days when we couldn't arrest anybody off a DV call unless we could get them provoked somehow and there were some interesting ways we'd do that,
0: (laughs) but (laughs) story uh, for another time
1: story for another time. That's right. Uh, But uh, you know, it's the standard old deal of, well, he's going to do better tomorrow. He's not going to hurt me anymore. He's told me, told me he's sorry. Uh, Those people. And there's, there's a various collections of them, various types. They are to be avoided and people can't seem to get that through their head. Uh, And, and then, people are shocked when somebody gets assaulted or killed and, and it's coming up to the prime time of the year for all that to happen. So.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the holidays were always good for two things for me. And that was domestic violence, arrest and uh, mm-hmm. warrant service because everybody's home for oh, Christmas yeah. and Thanksgiving. That's right. That's
1: uh, right.
0: But yeah, it, <laughs> <laughs> I, I knocked on many <laughs> a door a on Christmas, thing,
1: but I've knocked on a couple of doors.
0: <laughs> I, I used to joke, uh, me and my, one of my dearest friends, uh, old partner and running friend of mine, when we would, we would always volunteer to work Christmas day. And the first thing we'd do is go pull the warrant report for our area codes or our zip codes. Yeah. And everybody code go, there. why is that? I'm like, cause everybody's home for Christmas and, uh, everybody's home for Christmas. And, yeah.
1: We we'll yep. tell them
0: they're going to have a pot pie Christmas dinner. Yep. It's a low <laughs> hanging fruit, but, uh, and, and in my own life, you know, there's, there is a couple, couple of members of my extended family that if I find out that they're going to be at some holiday function that I just don't go. Um, that's right. And, uh, you know, it's a hard decision for a lot of people to make, but for me and, you know, and you, you know, our background, it's like, that's, you know, that, that violates. So, uh, John Farnham's rule, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it, and, uh, and I think I want to end this one on Farnham's rule, which is, uh, absolutely probably the, best summation of how to stay out of trouble. Don't go stupid places with stupid
1: people and do stupid things. Exactly.
0: Wayne Dobbs episode 60, Two Cops Talk Situational Awareness. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Quick reminder, go check out today's title sponsor, Excess Sites. And the uh, Elite Survival Systems, newest sponsor to the podcast. I want to throw a shout-out to those guys. Thanks for sending uh, the range bag. Their range bag, guys, if you haven't checked it out, is exceptional. CCW safe. Get 10% off your membership. You guys know that. Off-duty tenant checkout. EDC Belt Company. Foundation Belt, edcbeltco.com, the Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway. Sign up weekly, links in the show notes. Giving away some uh, 16340 batteries, which I keep in heavy rotation in my MCF Spark from Ready Up Gear. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you're still listening, by the way, thank you very much. Uh Battleborne Coffee sold out of the borderline, but it is back in stock now. So thanks for supporting the uh, Fallen Agents Fund. And uh, thanks for Brad last week for coming on. And uh, as a reminder, the off Diddy on Diddy podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions. Follow all firearm safety rules. Consult with a competent firearms instructor and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.